In her classic study of presidential leadership, entitled Leadership in Turbulent Times, the great historian Doris Kearns Goodwin observes that Abraham Lincoln, Theodore Roosevelt, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, and Lyndon Baines Johnson all had one thing in common, a very important thing in common, in addition to the obvious fact that all four men became president. What they each shared in common was that each went through a period of serious depression, immobilizing depression, debilitating depression, deep darkness. Each was there, and each was somehow able to recover from the darkness, to emerge from the depression, to go on to become and to function as president. Take, for example, Abraham Lincoln. We all know that he became president in 1861 when he was 52 years old. But 20 years earlier, when he was 32 years old, he fell into a serious deep depression, so deep that he did not leave his house, so deep that he did not leave his bed, so deep that he did not eat, so deep that he lost his color and was very pale and very gaunt and very emaciated, so deep that his friends thought that he was losing it, so deep that his friends thought he might kill himself, so deep that his friends removed knives and scissors and any sharp objects from his home. <clears throat> So that he would not. We've got some technical difficulties. Huh? Yeah. So, as Doris Kearns Goodwin tells the story, he was in such a deep place because a number of factors conspired to throw him into darkness. First of all, he felt that he had failed as a legislator with the Illinois State Legislature, and his days in government service were over. Uh, he felt that he had failed as a lawyer. He was dirt poor, and he was so poor that he didn't feel that he could get married. He was actually engaged to marry Todd. He didn't see how he could ever support a wife and children, so he broke off the engagement, which was a source of shame and pain. And in this dark phase, he writes a letter to his law partner that Doris Kearns Goodwin quotes. This is Abraham Lincoln in darkness. I am now the most miserable man living. If what I feel were equally distributed to the whole human family, there would not be one cheerful face on the earth. Whether I shall ever be better, I cannot tell. I awfully forebode, I shall not. Now, we all know the end of the story. We know, in fact, that Lincoln is able to emerge from the darkness and emerge from the depression and go on to have this life of unparalleled service and unparalleled impact. How did he do it? Well, before getting to that, it is worth noting that Abraham is not the only 
Abraham that we love who went through depression. Abraham Lincoln isn't the only one. There's also Abraham, our father, Avraham Avinu. And it's very clear that if you read the text of Genesis straight up, if you just read the words, what they say, what they mean in their own context, Avraham Avinu has a very serious, serious case of depression and for very good reason. Now, we sometimes think that Abraham's story begins in our reading this morning, Lech Lecha, with God's famous command, Lech Lecha, go to the land that I will show you, leave your father's house, your native land, go to the land that I will show you, and you shall be a blessing. But in fact, his story does not start this week. His story starts at the end of last week, and if you miss that, you miss the story. This is how Abraham is actually first introduced to us. Now, he's first introduced to us in what is usually the driest of texts, but this text is not dry. It's a genealogy that is not dry. Terach begot Abraham, Nahor, and Haran, and Haran begot Lot. Haran died in the lifetime of his father Terach in his native land, Ur of the Chaldeans. This not dry genealogy establishes something very important about Abraham. That is that sickness and illness and death and shadows and grief were inextricably interwoven with Abraham's story. Abraham was never just Abraham. Abraham was always Haran's brother. If you read the genealogies of Genesis, people back then lived a very long time. They lived 200 years, they lived 400 years, they lived 500 years. But not Abraham's brother Haran. Haran dies young. Haran dies prematurely. And the Torah goes out of its way to say that Haran dies in the lifetime of Alpnei, in the presence of his father Terach. So right away, Abraham comes into the world and Abraham's life is not really his own. Abraham's life is like interconnected in deep ways with things that drag him down. His life is interconnected with his dead brother Haran. His life is interconnected with his grief-stricken father Terach and, and Abraham can't answer that grief. What happens next? Well, in typically understated biblical prose, here's what happens next. Terach took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, the son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, the wife of his son Abram. And they set out together from Ur of the Chaldeans for the land of Canaan. So after Haran dies so prematurely, Terach says, you know what, guys? I, I can't take this anymore. I got to get out of Ur of the Chaldeans. Ur of the Chaldeans is haunted for me. This is where my son Haran died. This is where I laid to his eternal rest. My son Haran, parents should not be burying their kids. I got to get out of here. We got to go somewhere. You know where we're going to go? We're going to go to Canaan. That's what Terach says. We're going to go to Canaan. Now, what happens next? Pause. The great teacher, Shai Held, says that you cannot read Torah too slowly. You cannot read Torah too carefully. And a case in point 
is what happens next. Remember, they're supposed to go to Canaan. What happens? But when they had come as far as Haran, they settled there. The days of Terach came to 205 years, and Terach died in Haran. So they want to go to Canaan, but for some reason, they run out of steam. For some reason, they run out of energy. For some reason, they just give up. For some reason, they just settle, and they don't make it, and they don't finish the journey. Why? Well, now here's where you can't read the Torah too slowly. What's the name of the dead brother, Haran? What's the name of the dead son, Haran? What's the name of the city they settle in, Haran? Can it be a coincidence that the same name, Haran, is the same name for the place that they settle and the name of the dead son and the dead brother? I don't think it's a coincidence. I think what the Torah is telling us is that Terach just gives up on life, which is why the Torah reading ends last week with Vayamat Terach Becharan. The father Terach dies in Haran. So think about this from Abraham's point of view. He just carries. He just carries so much. He carries his dead brother. He carries his grief-stricken father. He carries the weight and responsibility of raising Lot, Haran's brother. My, my brother should be raising him, but he's dead. I'm raising him. And he carries the fact that he's in the middle of nowhere. He's not back home in order of the Chaldeans. He's not in Canaan. He's in Haran, the same name as his dead brother. That's where our reading begins this morning for Abraham, in a place of deep and multi-tiered darkness. So Abraham Lincoln can't get out of bed, and his friends remove sharp objects from his home. And Abraham Avinu is like, oh my God, what I carry, and I'm in the middle of nowhere. And yet they both emerge from their darkness. So how do they do it? So this is just so important, and this is universally applicable to 100% of us. How do they do it? Doris Kearns Goodwin locates the ability of Abraham Lincoln to get out of his depression with one simple fact. Abraham Lincoln had the ability to look at himself in the mirror and say, where am I failing? Where have I failed? Where do I need to do better? What do I need to do to improve? Where do I need to improve? How do I need to improve? How am I going to start doing it? So for example, he famously says, I will die or be better. I will die or be better. If he's not going to be better, he can't make it. The only way out of this is to become better. So where does he start? So he says, I'm not an accomplished lawyer, end quote. That's Abraham Lincoln, I'm not an accomplished lawyer. And he decides he's going to become an accomplished lawyer. And this is the part where you know about Lincoln studying through the midnight oil where there's a candle at his bed till 2 in the morning. He's studying how he can become a better trial lawyer. And in fact, according to Doris Kearns Goodwin, he becomes the best trial lawyer in Illinois. 
He has a special ability to talk to juries in simple, unadorned language that they understand, and a simple ability, a magical ability, to make them feel like they were deciding the case. He became the most financially successful lawyer in his area of central Illinois. And as a result, he now has money, and as a result, he now reproposes to Mary Todd. They get married, they bring children into the world. When he was asked, hey, how did you go from a mediocre lawyer to the best lawyer in your area, he said, work, work, work. And I quote. And he applied that same work ethic as he looked at the country, he's trying to figure out in the late 1840s, what is the issue roiling our nation? And the obvious answer was slavery. And so Lincoln works, works, works. I don't know enough about slavery. He just immerses himself in the constitutional history of slavery. He thinks deeply about the fact that the Constitution never actually mentions slavery, but is all about how to deal with the issue of slavery. He studies the legislative history of the Missouri Compromise. And he becomes the most knowledgeable person, according to Doris Kearns Goodwin, the most knowledgeable person about slavery in the late 1840s was Abraham Lincoln, and he worked to get there. When it came time for the debates with Stephen Douglas, there was nobody more knowledgeable, passionate, informed, intelligent on this issue than Lincoln. What made Lincoln Lincoln, what made Lincoln Lincoln, what enabled Lincoln to emerge from his depression was his ability to admit failure, to confront failure, and to work intentionally to get better. Now, what about Avraham Avinu? So Abraham, our father, is also depressed, and for good reason, when the Torah portion starts. And God says, Lech Lecha, go forth from here. And I think when he heard Lech Lecha, go forth from here, that wasn't only about moving from point A to point B. That wasn't only a geographical journey. That wasn't only going from Haran to Canaan. When God says, Lech Lecha, and Abraham says, yes, Abraham is saying yes to life itself. My dad is gone. I buried him in Haran. My brother Haran is gone. I buried him in Ur of the Chaldeans. But I'm not gone. I'm here. And I am going to live. That's what Lech Lecha meant to him. Hey, listen. It's an anxious time. Nobody gets to live only in the light. Everybody has to spend some time in the darkness. But when that happens, and it's inevitable, and it's 100%, and it's universal, we all don't get to spend all of our time in the light. When we're in the darkness, we have the two Abrahams to light our way. The Abraham who founded our very faith, and the Abraham who preserved our very union. And they both said, I see the darkness. I feel the darkness. I get the darkness. But I'm not staying in the darkness. I'm moving from darkness into light. May we do the same. Shabbat Shalom.